all you cool cats and kittens. It's Bree with Different Church. Before we jump into the service today, um, I want to go over just a couple things with you. Number one is that even though we're all pretty much homebound at this point, we are really striving to continue to build community. So every week from here on out until I don't know when, um, we're going to have a uh, Zoom meeting. And that Zoom meeting will be either Wednesday or Thursday. It's gonna alternate. And um, we'll probably be playing games most of the time. It may evolve into like a small group format. That's still kind of to be seen. Um, on this past Thursday, we did bar trivia. It was really fun. So this upcoming Wednesday, we're gonna give Bingo a shot. So please make sure that we have your email address um, if you're interested in playing Bingo, because we do need to send you the Zoom link for you to log in. And then after that Wednesday, on Thursday, we have our diversity and inclusivity training through Metro Inclusive Health. Again, it's gonna be on Zoom. So we'll need you to um, send us your email and RSVP if that's something that you're interested in attending. We did have this class in person in February. So if you attended that, you don't need to come to this class. Although if you wanna come again, you're more than welcome to. At the end of this month, um, April 23rd, I believe, we're going to have a 2.0 version of the training, again, also on Zoom. Um, but if you want to come to that, again, just make sure we have your email address. And the best way for you to make sure that we have your email address is to go online to diff.church. There's no .com or anything, just diff.church. There you'll be able to connect with us. Um, you can make sure we have all your contact information. You can provide feedback about our virtual services. You can submit a prayer request. You can view upcoming events. Um, and then you can also give uh, if you'd like to support what we're doing. So I believe that wraps that up for now. I hope to see you all on Zoom next week for bingo on Wednesday and for training on Thursday. And now here's Hannah. Hi friends, welcome to another online edition of Different Church, our Sunday services. My name is Hannah and I am the pastor of Different Church and I'm just very thrilled that you all are joining us in our holding space for our online spiritual community since we are not able to hold that space in person where we would like to. Remember, if you feel comfortable doing so, to join the conversation in the comments below. If you're watching on Facebook, um, we will be there during the message to interact with you. And also, if you uh, don't have access to our Slack channel, you can email hello at diffchurch.com. That's hello at diffchurch.com, and we will get you added to our Slack channel as well. How y'all doing? <laughs> it has been quite a week. No? I feel like it has been quite a week. I am definitely feeling it. I know a lot of you are feeling it. I've heard from a lot of you. Um, just the stress, the uncertainty, the just overwhelming everything and nothing all at once. Like you would think it would be easier to be at home and not have so many obligations. It would be less stressful, but actually I feel like for most people it's more stressful. Um, and there's news constantly coming and there's just all of this stuff and we're finally understanding that maybe we're going to have to do this for the foreseeable future. We don't know when an endpoint is. And so with all of that swirling in the background of our lives, in the background of our mind, we'll do something a little bit different today. And that is we are going to have a prayer before we even begin just to bring us together and help us focus. So generally, when you come to a church service, there's some music or something before, and it kind of helps everyone go, oh. 
and just shed a little bit of the weight that you've been carrying. Um, but of course, we're doing this online. <laughs> so um, we don't have music for the beginning of this sermon. You just get to see my face. <laughs> but that's what we're going to use this prayer for. It's just a moment to focus and say, okay, this week has definitely been a roller coaster. We don't know what the future is going to be like, but for right now, we're going to take a big breath and we're going to focus together on this really important thing, which is our faith. Let's pray. Hosanna. Hosanna, we pray. Like our ancestors who cried out in memory of your great works, we proclaim our trust in you, God. We long for deliverance from everything that destroys life. We long for an end to this anxiety that strips our souls of peace and our nights of sleep. We long for our capacity to do good to be multiplied and for resilience to strengthen our bones, that we may keep moving forward and through. We know the kingdom is near. Let it come, Lord, and let the needs of all your people be satisfied. Amen. Today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a special day on our Christian liturgical calendar. So it's, I was going to say it's a holiday. <laughs> it's not really a holiday, um, but it is a very special day on our liturgical calendar. It's the Sunday before Easter. If you didn't know, Easter is next week. <laughs> so, but Sunday, Palm Sunday is the day that we get to spend before Easter, before this holy week leading up to our Easter celebration. But before it was Sunday, and in the text that we're going to read, the Jews were celebrating a festival at the time when Jesus was going into Jerusalem. So where we get the story of Palm Sunday is in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. It's actually in all four Gospels, but we're going to read from Matthew today. And so my question to you is, do you know what festival were the Jews celebrating when Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem that ended up in being a Palm Sunday celebration for us? If you know the answer to that and you're watching on Facebook, comment below and I'm going to read the text and then I will come back and give you the answer. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to a town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey and her colt beside her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and they will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in uproar. As he entered, who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, it is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The answer to the question that I asked before, what festival was Jesus going into Jerusalem to celebrate? The answer is Passover. The Jews were gathering all around the country. They were gathering, trekking into Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover, which was a celebration of their release from Egypt when they were slaves. So they're remembering when they were captive 
and hopeless and ruled over by the iron fist of Egypt, but God came and delivered them. They remembered that they painted blood on the doorposts of their houses and that the angel of death passed over their homes. That's where we get the term Passover. The angel of death passed over, did not stop in their homes because they painted the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. And here, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, the Jews are gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate liberation in the middle of occupation. So Rome ruled over Israel. Now, so the Jews are no longer slaves, but they're not exactly free either. The Jews were celebrating, but in the back of their mind, there is mourning as well. Even though they're remembering this beautiful, exciting, wonderful liberation that they experienced all these years ago, underneath that is the knowledge that they're not free. They did not rule themselves. Their Messiah had not yet come to deliver them, despite all the hundreds of years of prayers. And Rome was in charge, of course, but Rome did allow this festival of Passover to proceed, but they kept a tight rein on the festivities. Now, they were very, if I were Rome, if you were Rome, you would be very worried about this festival. So Jerusalem typically would have like 40,000 people in it, max. During Passover, it could get up to 200,000 people. That is a lot of people in a small space. All of those people celebrating liberation from their oppressors. That's not a good, good festival to have when Rome is in charge, right? Um, so they're celebrating. There's all these parties, not to mention all of the wine that's being drunk. So there's a lot of, uh, shall we say, people who are feeling the love <laughs> wandering around the city. Um, and of course, the Romans were worried about this. Now, historically uncertain, but, but very probable, is I want you to picture this procession that is opposite the one that Jesus took into the city. So we've got Jesus on a donkey with a crowd of people going into the city. The whole city's in an uproar. Now we're going to imagine Rome's procession into the city that certainly would have taken place before Jesus' procession. So the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, he would have entered the city, perhaps on the opposite side, on a war horse at the head of a long column of imperial cavalry and soldiers. So Pilate would have come from Caesarea Maritima, which is a city that's 75 miles north of Jerusalem. So if Jerusalem's here, Caesarea Maritima is like here, and it's about 75 miles down to Jerusalem. Why, why is Pilate there? Why do we care about Pilate and his processional and his warhorse? So Pilate has to come keep the peace. Remember, if you are familiar with this story, that Pilate is the one who eventually Jesus gets dumped in front of him before his crucifixion. So we know that Pilate is in the city and he's not normally in the city. Nobody wants, none of the Romans want to hang out in Jerusalem. It's not like their favorite place. They want to be in a Roman city that is much more suited to their needs. So they're coming just to prevent an uprising and to keep control of these festivities. So take a moment, close your eyes. <laughs> we are going to imagine, we're going to use our imagination, which is a wonderful gift that God has given us. Um, there's a whole sermon that could be preached <laughs> on how valuable and how human and how valid our imaginations are, especially when we read scripture and we think about faith. Um, but for now, we're going to use it to imagine this procession of Romans. So close your eyes and start, just picture this in your mind. Think of imperial power, cavalry, soldiers on horses, row after row after row after row of them, foot soldiers, as far as your eye could see. Leather armor, helmets, weapons, banners flying in the wind, golden eagles mounted on poles, 
the hot sun on metal, reflecting on the gold that the commanders are wearing, baking everybody. The endless dry sound of marching feet and creaking leather and the horses chewing on their bridles bored with walking. And underneath the beating of the imperial drums as the dust swirls all around the procession. With that image in your mind, open your eyes. Now we can begin to understand the point of this parade. It's power. Anyone who saw this parade would think twice before starting something. Rome, in all its glory, is trampling into the holy city, peddling the, wage, the wares that Rome is known for. Peace, justice, salvation. Of course, the peace and justice and salvation that Rome offered was at the end of a sword. They kept their peace by crushing anyone that dissented or threatened their interest. And then in the middle of that image, we encounter another image in the scripture, that of Jesus coming into the town. Jesus in the middle of his own procession. And if we've grown up in church um, or grown up in this faith, perhaps you this image is familiar to you. Jesus on a donkey going into Jerusalem surrounded by people who shout Hosanna and wave palm branches at him. We are familiar with this image and we're like, yeah, Palm Sunday, woo. <laughs> um, but do we really stop to think about it? Like, so what? Jesus rode a donkey. People loved him. Who cares if it's a, who cares if Jesus rode a donkey? And who are these people anyways? And why are they waving palm branches? Why would this one moment have an entire Sunday dedicated in our liturgical calendar? And why would it be in all four gospels? This narrative of Jesus going into Jerusalem is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. And it seems like we're being reminded again and again that this is important that we have to understand what the purpose of this processional was. Because without this understanding of what's happening here, we are in danger of turning this procession into a, some kind of frivolous parade. <laughs> and we're just like, yay, Jesus, going into the city, how exciting. And not really stopping to think what it means. Not stopping to think that, that this parade is the antithesis of the Roman parade that had gone on. It's not a frivolous parade. It was in fact a very dangerous parade. And this thing is sets into motion the final days of Jesus' life. So where the parade starts is a tidbit actually, is in the Mount of Olives is where they're starting. Now you can see the Mount of Olives from Jerusalem, from the city walls. It's, it's like walking distance. It's not very far. This is the traditional location where the Messiah was expected to appear. So the fact that Jesus is coming from the Mount of Olives means something already. And we get that from the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, if you want to go dig further. The Mount of Olives is outside of the city walls. You can kind of see it. It's, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. Like you can see where my hand's going. North, south, east, or west, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just imagine you're on a city wall and you can see that there's a valley and then there's another mountain on the other side. That's where the Mount of Olives would be. Jesus is riding on a donkey. This is a clear and obvious contrast to the pristine war horse that Pilate would have rode in on. Jesus refuses all the trappings of royalty and empire, and instead he's riding on a donkey. And Jesus, who, the one whose life is actually in danger, has no security detail whatsoever. Instead, the crowds that are around him are made up of peasants and farmers and day laborers, just regular people. 
Now, when a visiting dignitary goes through a town or visits a town, of course, you prepare the way for them, right? We still do this today with celebrities. <laughs> we roll out the red carpet. So Jesus is not actually visiting dignitary to Jerusalem, right? But he's actually God. And Jesus had no red carpet, no procession of royalty, no cavalry for miles, no foot soldiers, none of that. Instead, he was surrounded by regular people who took off their cloaks, which is like an outer garment. So we don't really wear cloaks anymore <laughs> unless we're doing uh, medieval reenactments or something like that, or you're watching Downton Abbey. You may see a cloak there, but just imagine people taking off their outer garment of clothing and then they spread them on the ground for Jesus and the disciples to walk on. Jesus refused to act like royalty. He was like, I'm not going to ride a war horse. I'm not going to have a security detail. I'm not going to do any of that. And the, but the people still instinctively understood that this was important and they wanted to show their devotion. Now, can you imagine <laughs> loving and being so devoted to something or someone that you would actually take off your coat and put it on the ground for them to walk on? That's pretty intense. And those who had nothing to lay down, they took palm branches, they took branches of trees, they cut them down, and they laid them on the ground and they kind of waved them in celebration, using anything they could find to participate in celebrating and creating a path for this person who was riding on a donkey, this person that they love so much. And the crowds were so big that they actually surrounded Jesus and his disciples, which this is an important point to note as well, because remember, Pilate's procession, he's at the front. He is the most important. And here, Jesus is in the middle. And this is where we find Jesus constantly in the New Testament, not at the front, not in the position of power, not in the position of the most importance, but in the middle of the people who actually matter. And so there's hundreds of people in front of him, hundreds of people behind him, just this mass of people milling around and Jesus is on a donkey in the middle of it. And they're all shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And this is where we're going to pause and spend the rest of our time for today. Because Hosanna is a word that we don't really use anymore. There's a couple of worship songs that use it. Um, it's an Aramaic word. Now remember, Jesus would have spoken Aramaic, possibly some Hebrew and Aramaic, um, but most likely Aramaic. And the Romans spoke Greek. So these are two different languages. So Hosanna is an Aramaic word. And it's easy to think that this is a term of praise. So after all, the scripture reads, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And so we, reading it, often, most likely, translate this word to mean something like, yay, <laughs> or woohoo, like it's a, like a celebratory exclamation, like, yes. But the word actually is much more powerful than that. Not that saying yay isn't powerful, <laughs> but I think celebration is one of the lost spiritual practices that we have. But Hosanna literally means save us. Save us, God. So when they're saying Hosanna to the son of David, they're saying save us, son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us. You are in the highest heaven. These crowds are not just shouting praises. They are begging God to help them. They're hoping against hope that this man riding on a donkey the man they took their cloaks off for and put them on the ground, that he will somehow be the one that they have waited so long for. 
that he will finally, finally give them the freedom that they have been longing for, this freedom from Rome. And here's the heartbreaking part of this festival, (laughs) this excitement, this extravaganza, because all of these people are experiencing hope in a way that they've never experienced it before. They're just swept along in this current of celebration and excitement and hope. They're imagining this future where they're not controlled and ruled over by the Romans. They're imagining that Jesus can give them this future. They're imagining that Jesus will be that kind of Messiah, the kind of a savior that they have been begging God for. And Jesus is the Messiah, the savior sent from God. But he's not the kind they were hoping for. Because Jesus was here to do battle with death and destruction and hopelessness itself. Jesus is not here and was not here then to topple a corrupt government so that another equally corrupt government could be set up in its place. These people wanted freedom and then they wanted the splendor and the riches and the power of Rome to be theirs. But Jesus' greatness could not be measured by how many wars were won, how many lands were occupied, how many people were dominated, or how much wealth he amassed. Jesus rides into the city on a donkey. As the people cry, help us. And this is to make it very clear that the greatness of God does not need military or wealth or ego to set people free. The path that Jesus offers is expressed in a life of serving and love. And while the crowds, they don't fully understand Jesus' message and mission, but they're aware of something beyond themselves. They seem to recognize that Jesus is the one that they've been waiting for all this time. And their reaction, this exciting celebration of devotion, is appropriate. The entire city is in uproar. When the Messiah comes, it is an earth-shaking event. Even the children in the temple, not the religious leaders, mind you, (laughs) none of the religious leaders, but the children, they add their own hosannas to Jesus as he goes by. And here we find the hope because if you're a person of faith or if you're familiar with this story, you know what is coming up for Jesus in the days ahead. He's going to be killed. He's going to be murdered. But we can still find this hope here because Jesus' followers, this, his disciples and this giant crowd of people around him, they had no authority to change the world. All they had was each other. They're strangers, maybe they're friends, some of them, travelers, people who live there, day laborers, children, adults, elderly people, all just regular people joining together with Jesus and his disciples And they turned the entire city of Jerusalem upside down. It says Jerusalem was in an uproar. (laughs) The whole city, possibly up to 200,000 people at that time, was in an uproar because Jesus rode in on a donkey with people shouting Hosanna. And it's because the people seem to understand. They don't fully understand. And we see this over and over again in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, where the crowds of people are, are trying to understand what Jesus is and what Jesus is saying, but they can't quite grasp it, but they know that there's something different here and it's explosive. And this is the same thing that happens a few chapters later after Jesus' resurrection, spoiler alert, (laughs) just spoiled Easter. Jesus, after he is murdered, does not say dead. We see the same movement. It's just the same regular people, children, 
elderly people, day laborers, fishermen, tax collectors, just regular people, women who are now spreading the word of the Lord everywhere. This, not just Jerusalem becomes in an uproar, the entire Roman empire starts to be in an uproar because of these regular people. And when we say Hosanna, God save us. It's an echo of those words. The words of our ancestors in the faith being spoken in this moment as a ritual of faith and freedom and liberation birthed by God. The words are ancient. We don't use Hosanna anymore, but it still feels fresh. We, we can say save us, but from what do we need saving? From corruption, from illness, from poverty, from racism, from greed, from hopelessness, from the destruction that often rules our countries and the destruction that often rules our own hearts. All we can say to that, all we can say when faced with real life problems is, as the people said, Hosanna, save us, son of David. Knowing, But we can say it in a little bit different way because they say, Hosanna, son of David, hoping that Jesus was the Messiah. But we can say, Hosanna, knowing all the while that God is actually already with us, that Jesus was in the middle of the crowd and God is with us now. And this is what I want you to remember from this message. We are never... We are never without access to the very salvation that we're crying out for. We're never without access to the very source of the salvation that we're crying out for. And if you're feeling exhausted today, um, if you're feeling anxious or worried and hopeless or sad or just plain overwhelmed, take heart. Love still lives. Love still moves among us. Love is still alive in us, ordinary people, just as it was in the ordinary people who knew that there was something about God, something about Jesus. And us, just ordinary people who gather strength and the resources that we have and we share with what we, what we have with those in need, that, that is the answer to the question of Hosanna. If we say, save us, knowing that God is here with us, then we can do something. And so I have a few questions for reflection as we close. Um, maybe you can take these with you into the week, or maybe you can put in the comments an answer to one or all of them. And I will put the questions themselves in the comments as well. So what resources do you have that you can share this week with those who are in need? What resources do you have? And so let me give you some examples because instantly we think of like, do I have uh, extra food? <laughs> do I have eggs or flour that I can share with someone or extra toilet paper? Maybe that is your resource. Maybe you have extra toilet paper and you can share it with someone who doesn't. But if you're young and healthy, can you go grocery shopping for someone that isn't? Is your resource time right now? Can you reach out to friends, family, loved ones, people you haven't heard from in a while? Can you check in on people? Is your resource prayer right now? Can you dedicate a space of time each day to pray for those that you hold dear and to pray for the world? What resources do you have that you can share? 
with people who are in need. What is your cloak that you can take off and lay down in front of Jesus? Second question is, where are you feeling lost? And this may be a really difficult question, or it may be really easy. Perhaps your loss is simple in the fact that it's a job, or it's the simple lack of human connection that we have been, uh, I should say, human physical connection. Or perhaps your loss, your feeling loss, is much more complicated than that. But where are you feeling it? And can you be honest enough with yourself to actually voice that to someone else? And let them pray for you. And finally, my last question for you is where has love shown up in your life this week? Where, when you have been crying, Hosanna, help us, help me. Where has it shown up in your life? Where has God shown up in your life? Where has hope shown up in your life this week? And if you have a moment where hope has shown up in your life this week, even if it's for five minutes on Tuesday at 3 p.m., something happened and you were overwhelmed by that hope, that counts. You don't have to have a sustained seven days of happiness. (laughs) I don't know that anyone has that at the moment. And if you share that in the comments, I know it will encourage and uplift other people. And there is actually an opportunity for us to get together um, We take very seriously at Different Church our commitment to being inclusive and affirming of all people and creating a safe space for all people to explore faith, whatever that looks like for them. And so one of the ways that we are committed to furthering that is by offering diversity training. So Metro Health, which is a wonderful organization in St. Pete, they do diversity training and They have two levels, level one and level two. We actually had level one a while ago and we have level two scheduled next Thursday, April 9th at 7 p.m. And originally we were really concerned because we were like, oh no, we're not gonna be able to do this. We're not gonna be able to see anybody, but we are going to be able to do this via Zoom. So this is a practical, tangible way that you can expand your knowledge base and that you can show if you're part of this community, that you care enough about other members of our community to learn about their life and learn about the best practices for interacting with other people and how to be inclusive and affirming, um, not just of the LGBT plus community, but of all communities. So if you are interested in that, please email hello at diffchurch.com. We have limited space. Um, but it is a video call, so you can do it in the comfort of your home, and it's on April 9th at 7 p.m. That is level one. Level two is coming up on April 23rd. So if you went to level one, keep your eyes open because we'll have invites for that very soon. So we're going to end, of course, with a benediction, like we always do, a benediction and a prayer. And I just want to say before we do that, this is not in my notes. This is just me having some real talk with you. I just want to say that I know that this week has probably been hard for most of you. And if it has not been hard, that's wonderful. I'm so excited for you. But if it 
if this week has felt a little overwhelming, know that you're not alone. I'm not up here trying to be like some person being like, just be hopeful all the time. I have been feeling it as well. And I'm sure we will all continue to feel it together. And I promised you in our very first Sunday on our grand opening that I am not going to lie. I'm just going to be a person and I'm going to tell you what's going on. So what's going on is this is hard (laughs) and it's anxiety inducing and I'm having crazy dreams because clearly my subconscious can't process all of this information. And I just want you to know there's nothing that needs to be fixed about that. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling really anxious, two things. One, that is a normal response. You do not have to stuff your feelings down and just cram them so that nobody can see that you are stressed out. Um, That is a normal reaction to everything that's going on in our world right now. You're not broken. There's nothing about you that needs to be fixed. It is okay to be upset by everything that's happening. And it is okay to tell people that you are upset, which is why I have that question. Where are you feeling the loss this week? And can you tell someone about it? Second thing. (laughs) So first, that's a normal reaction. But the second thing is we're in this together. So no matter how alone you're feeling, know that you're not alone. Um, No matter how distant you're feeling from everyone else, know that you're not actually distant at all. We are all just regular people praying Hosanna sometimes once a day, sometimes a hundred times a day. But God is in our midst. And if you're a person of faith, God is in you. And we have this connection that can't be broken. And we can support each other. So I'm going to pray this benediction and then we're going to have a wonderful song, which is a special treat at the end of this message. So I encourage you to keep listening for that and kind of let, take another pause before you go back to life. And we will see you next week. So let us pray. Saving one, you know what ails our hearts, minds, and bodies You know because you took on human flesh and your spirit is a companion to us in all things. For this gift of being with us and all your acts of compassion, we are grateful. When fear and sorrow draw near, we know our help comes from God. We do not place our trust in the promises of the powerful. We do not cling to empty words of those who do not care for the vulnerable and who care only for their own profit. Instead, we commit to remember love. We remember that Christ lives in us. With this commitment, may the peace that passes all understanding be in our hearts, be in our homes, and be close to all who need it. Thanks be to God, the source of all that saves us. Amen. Thank you for being here. I can't wait to talk to you again for next Sunday. Easter Sunday! Woo! (laughs) So until then, you've got this. Bye, friends.
Christ the Lord.